I want you to take your Bibles this morning and open them up to the book of 1 John and just keep them open there. There are many, many verses that we're going to refer to in this great book, 1 John. We'll really begin uh, with some scriptures in chapter 2. We have certainly enjoyed Kirk. Thank you for coming and leading us. And we're looking forward to Brother Ed next week. Amen. Choir did a great job. You know, I think that probably if um, me and Ed would take our shirt out, we could sing better. (laughs) Ed, if he took his shirt out, you need to wear your shirt out. I cannot see Ed with his shirt out. I just can't do that. No, no, I'm not going there. Yeah. You know, the Lord asks me to do things sometimes that uh, I say, well, do you know what you're doing? But uh, as soon as the choir gets seated, we're going to just do something. I'm going to do something the Lord told me to do, and then we're going to get right into the message. The title today is Love Never Fails. Now, that's quite a statement. Love never fails. It doesn't. You'll see it from the Word of God. And God will speak to your heart with it. You know, everything depends on the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, the church is lifeless. It's powerless. Jesus said, don't you leave Jerusalem till I send the promise of the Father. And when He has come, the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into all truth. So we pray, but when we come here on Sunday, we realize that unless the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts, then nothing will be happened. So that's why the Lord told me to do this. Just bow your heads with me just a moment. And I think, you know, these words have come and gone because he just told me to do it, but I think I got them. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in your own power. Come in your own gentle way. That's our prayer. And Lord, we're totally dependent on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Of all the languages that the Bible could be written in, the New Testament, Greek was the most specific and explicit language. There was no better language. It had so many words for for the same things. For example, you look up love in the dictionary, and, uh, and you'll just see a definition of love. But in the Bible, there are three words that are defined as love. The first one is phileo, which is a strong attraction and love between friends. We all know what that is. We have friends, and we love them, and they are a blessing to us. And that's phileo, that's love between friends. And there's the Greek word eros, from which we get the word erotic. And that is about physical love between a man and a woman. But the most important word... The greatest word 
is the word agape, A-G-A-P-E. It is the love of God. And I want to speak to you today about your life being filled and you living in the love of God. You know, there are two verses in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going to turn there. We're going to look at 1 John. There are two verses in 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 8 says, love never fails. But then, you know what verse 13 says? This is is shocking. Now abides faith. Well, I, I don't have to tell you how important faith is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you who come to him, God believed that he is. And we live a life of faith. He said, now about it, faith and hope. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we know how important in our lives hope is. Now about it, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Greater than faith, greater than hope, the greatest of these is love. And he was talking about the agape love of God. John 3.16 says, for God so agaped the world that he gave his only begotten son. Herein is agape, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Agape. You know what that word means? It's a powerful word. Agape love always desires, now underscore this, it always desires the highest and the best for the person loved. You say, well, I I love you with the love of God. You say, I desire the highest and the best for you. And that's the love of God. You know, God agapes you. He desires the highest and the best for you. That is the heart of God. I want to speak to you in three areas about this matter of love never failing. This this will not be a shock to you, but it's kind of revealing. Do you realize that the Bible teaches that love, agape, is probably the greatest evidence that we're a child of God? In other words, if we have agape love for people, I mean, that's a greatest indication. One of the greatest witnesses that we're truly children of God and that we've been born of the Holy Spirit. I just want to go through 1 John with you and just show you how many times God says love shows you his child. The first one I want you to look to is 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 through 9. Now, listen to how the Bible says, man, if you walk in love, you're God's child. If you don't, you don't. You're not. All right, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. But then he changes and says, again, a new, not, a new commandment I write unto you. Why is it new? Which is true in him and in you, because the darkness, Jesus has come, is passing away, and the true light, Jesus, is already shining. So he said, the old commandment was, love God and love your neighbor. 
He says, but it's new now. Jesus has come. The true light is shining. And we understand what love is. All right, listen at verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And that's not just talking about Christians. Your brother Christian. That was a word for people. Who says he's in the light and hates his brother? He's in darkness. But get this. He who abides in love, he who loves his brother, abides in the light. Abides in the light. And there's no cause of stumbling in him. It says, for he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because his eyes have been blinded. He said, listen, the indication you're walking in the light is that you love your brother. All right, look at chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. See, the whole book here was written to show us whether or not we're saved. The one book that will give you true evidence of salvation is 1 John. In 1 John 5, 13, it says, uh, and this is the record. He said, no, we go back to verse before that. It says, these things have I written unto you. This is 1 John 5. He said, these things have I written to you. It's 1 John 1, 1 John chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So the whole book was written so that we would know that we had eternal life or if we didn't have it. And so we go chapter, to chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Now this is pretty strong words, y'all. But you know, I'm, I'm just reading the Word of God. It says in verse 10, In this the children of God... And the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. He said, you know the difference between a child of God and a child of devil? First of all, somebody that's lost practices righteousness and doesn't love his brother. A child of God practices righteousness and loves his brother. I mean, First John says, man... The evidence of genuine salvation is you have agape love in your heart. Boy, you talk about a strong verse. Look at verse 14 now. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death to life. Time out. I want to know that. I want to know I've gone from spiritual death to spiritual light, from spiritual darkness to spiritual light. I want to know if I've gone from death to life. I want to know that. That's the most important thing in this world. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We love people. That's the Well, what if you don't love people? Maybe you haven't gone from death to life. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murder, murderer has eternal life in him. Look down at verse, uh, uh, verse 23 of chapter 3. Now, every one of these is saying the, the evidence of true salvation is that you love people. That's the bottom line, that you love people. It's in verse uh, 13, 23. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another 
as he gave us commandment. All right, look over at chapter 4 and look at verse uh, 7. See, all this is in one book. And he's saying, listen, the evidence that you're a child of God, the evidence that you're walking in the light, the evidence that you're spiritual life is that you love people. You got the agape of God in your heart. You got the love of God. You always desire the highest and the best for those people in this world. All right, let's look at what it says in verse 7. 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, you, you can't make that any clearer. Beloved, let us, let us love one another, for whoever loves is born of God. He's had the new birth. He's born of God and knows God. Are you ready for verse 8? He who does not love does not know God. Man, I don't know what part of that I, I don't understand. If you don't love, you don't love God. All right. In verse 9, it says of chapter 4, In this the love of God was manifested toward us. He sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. All right. Let me give you a couple more. Look at verse 20 and 21 of 1 John 4. I'm saying to you that the evidence that we're truly born again, we're truly children of God, we've passed from death unto life, we're spiritually alive, is the fact that we have agape love. Boy, 20 and 21, if someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. He who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he say he loves God, whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have of him, he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, folks, I'm telling you, the evidence that we're children of God is that we love people. Well, that's the first and great commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And now it's a new commandment because Jesus has come and the light has shined. And God says, now this is it. If you love God, if you love people, you love God. And you abide in his love. So the great evidence that we're children of God is that we love people. Now, love is not passive. Love is not passive. Love is active. In other words, I can say that I, well, I love you, and I might be saying with agape love, well, I love you, but let me just say something. That love will be manifested. It's more than words. And you know how the love of God, agape love, is manifested? It's in the way we respond to people, the way we treat people. See, if I love someone, I'm going to treat them a certain way. If I love them with agape love, then I'm going to want what's highest and best for them. And you're going to treat them in a different way. See, love is not passive. It is active. It's very active. And it manifests itself in the way that we treat people. You know, over in 1 John 3, 16 through 20. Now, I want you to listen to this. 1 John 3, 16 through 20. I think that's right. Let me see. 
No, that's chapter 4 there. Let me look at chapter 3. All right. Okay. Look at verse 16 of 1 John 3. I'm telling you, love is not passive. It is active. And agape love is seen in the way that we treat people, the way we manifest itself toward people. By this we know love. Okay, how do I know it? Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. Boy, that's pretty simple. He said, we need to be servants. He loved us and laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for the brethren. Now listen to this. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? In other words, he said, uh, Jesus laid down our life for uh, his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for others. And you, you see a brother, and he has a need. And God has given you the capacity to meet that need. But you shut up. He says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And this is what I love. Listen at verse 18 now. My little children, don't love in word. Don't just tell people you love them. But love indeed. Show your love by what you do. Love indeed and in truth. You know, God has blessed us, Luke 4, 18, in so many ways. He's blessed us financially. Now, there, there are some people who come and ask us for help that's not legitimate. But we never, I don't care if they're, if they're ripping people off. I don't care. If they come and they ask for food, you know what? We never turn them away. You say, but Brother Fred, they might be. That's not my responsibility. If a person comes and says they have need for food and water, hey, we got money in the bank. Am I going to shut my eyes to that person's need? You say, but some of them are con men. Well, that's between them and God. My responsibility. Now, there are a lot of things we don't do because it's not necessary and it's not a need. But for food and shelter, we are committed. We, we, we have agape love, and we will not shut up our hearts from those who have need. You know, let it, little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in teed and in truth. Listen to this. By this we know that we are of the truth. When we love actively, we love actively, we'll know we're of the truth and assure our hearts before God. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Now, I want to tell you something. You say, Brother Fred, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. Then you, you've got the love of God in you. you. You have the love of God in you. And that love is going to manifest itself in the way you treat people. You say, but Brother Fred, you know, it's easy to love some people. It's just so easy to love some people. I know, but you say there are others uh, that, that it's, it's just hard to love them. Now, let, let me give you, I've said this a thousand times over the years. You hate sin, but you love the sinner. Is anybody that doesn't understand that? 
You hate sin. But you love. Aren't you glad Jesus loved the sinner? Anybody in here that's never sinned? Well, thank God. He hated our sin. It put him on the cross. But he loved us. But God commends his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You say, well, it's some people are just hard to love. Well, you're not loving the, their actions. You're not loving the way they live in. But you know they're a person. Do you realize they're all created by God? And they're all in the image of God. And the Bible talks a lot about showing partiality to the rich and not showing it to the poor. About a rich man came in, you gave him a front seat. Poor man came in and you put him at the back. One person came in dressed nice. Another person came in, they weren't dressed nice. He said, that, that, that's not the heart of God. That is not the heart of God. And so love is, man, agape love is manifested in the way we treat people. Now, you say, but let, let me just tell you something now. Uh, uh, I've thought it through, and some people are my enemies, and some people have said ugly things about me, and, and I, I'm, I'm just telling you, Brother Fred, I have an exception here. Well, I hate you said that because I want to read you a verse of Scripture, okay? <laughs> you have, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This I say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun to shine on the good and on the evil. On the just and the unjust. If you just love those who love you, what, have you, what reward have you? Do not the tax collectors do the same? They love people that love them. Listen. He said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. I'm telling you, it is the love of God that would turn people's heart. See, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced love never fails. It never fails. Now, but this is the tough one. And I almost didn't use this because I get under conviction. But I'm going to read it and I'm going to look at it. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 13 and look at verse 4. Now, I'm going to use this other translation. It's, it's, it's more accurate to the Greek language. Now, this is the way love responds to people. Now, I, I want you uh, husbands to think about the way you respond to your wife. Would you do that? And I want you wives to think about how you respond to your husband. And I want you children to think about, you young people, to think how you respond to your parents. I want you to think about how you respond to people at work. Now, listen to how he describes agape love. He says, love is so patient and so kind. You know what that means? I looked it up in the Greek. Love is so patient. <laughs> and it's so kind. You know, why is it? Me and my wife pull up to that red light at the corner of uh, Azalea. No, it's not Azalea. It's the one back this way. I guess it's University. To the red light at University and Cottage and Airport. You know what I say to her? This is the longest red light in Mobile. 
By the way, it is. Well, that, 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 that's irrelevant. Can't I sit there until the light turns green without getting all bent out of shape? Love is so patient. This is agape. This is our manifesting and our dealing with people. Husbands and wives, parents and children, people we were. Love is so patient and so kind. Now listen to this. Love never boils with jealousy. You say, well, Brother Fred, I, I'm not jealous of my wife. I'm not jealous of my husband. Are you jealous of the person down the street who makes a whole lot more money than you do and lives in a nicer house? That's called covetousness. But another thing is jealousy. It says, love is never, love is never, never boils with jealousy. All right. Next verse says, love never boasts. It doesn't boast. It doesn't brag. You say, well, I, I don't boast. Well, thank God. I thank God you're walking in humility and you're not boasting. You know what I mean? I have some friends of mine that are so stuck on themselves, they can strut sitting down. I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> oh, man, they walk in the room, you know, and you'd say, well, everybody pause. Here they are. <laughs> they never say a word, but they don't have to. It says, love never boasts. It never is puffed up with pride. Wow. It's never puffed up with pride. That's a pretty strong statement. Do you get puffed up sometimes when there's a great accomplishment or something good happens to you? Love is never puffed up with pride. And then it says here, it does not act with rudeness. Love is not rude. Now, I wish he'd have left that out. Well, I'm not rude. You are sometimes the way you respond to your wife. You know you're rude. You know you are. Sometimes the way you respond to your husband. Sometimes the way you teenagers respond to your parents. It says here, agape love is never rude. You say, well, that sounds good, but it's humanly impossible. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. It's all humanly impossible. You can't do any of this in your own power. Love is never rude. No, love never insists on its rights. Well, I've got a right to do that. I mean, I work hard. Well, you need to stay home with, with your family and do something instead of going up to the woods. Well, I mean, come on, it only lasts for two months. I mean, I've, I've got I mean, to go. It's going to be over before long. Now, the ones that need to hear that are up in the woods right now. <laughs> That's exactly where they are. I know who they are, and I know where they are. And I know after next Sunday, they'll be back. Oh, yeah. It's a disease. It, it says here, never, love never insists on its own rights. There are a lot of things you have a right to do, but Miss Bertha said you gave up your rights when you gave your heart to Jesus. And then it goes on and says here, boy, now this is bad. This is bad. It's not bad, but it's tough. It never gets provoked. Oh, Lord. <laughs> is anybody in here that never gets provoked? If you do, come on, let me talk to you, and we'll talk about how to overcome lying. I mean, come on. 
Now, I, I love my wife, and, and, and if I'm walking in the Spirit, I love her with agape love. There's no question. I do. She'll tell you. But if I'm in the flesh, I don't. But you know what provokes me? She can't hear. <laughs> and I just got her some new hearing aids, and one of them don't fit. And I'll be very frank with you. God said, when are you going to get over this? I really believe she'll get good hearing aids that fit when I get over being provoked. I believe that with all my heart. Manly Beasley said, I want to talk to you about absolutes. He said, now I've got a lemon in my hand. He said, now I want you to tell me, I'm talking about absolutes. If I squeeze this lemon, what's going to come out? And everybody said, lemon juice. He said, not necessarily. Somebody may have taken the top off that lemon, cored it out, and put something else in there. But I'll tell you what will come out. Whatever's in there will come out. Whatever's in you will come out. Have you ever noticed that? Well, I don't know why I did that. Because he was in you. You got squeezed. See, this is impossible, but I'll, I've got good news for you. I want to go on and mention a couple more. You say, that's enough, Brother Fred. I've, I've had all I can handle. <laughs> he, he goes on and says, it is not provoked. It never harbors evil thoughts. It doesn't dwell on evil thoughts. He's never glad when wrong is done. Never glad. Love's never glad when wrong is done. But it always gla it's always glad when, tru when truth prevails. Love never is glad when wrong is done, but it's always glad when truth prevails. Love bears up under anything. It does. It never fails. Love bears up under anything. It exercises faith in everything. It keeps up hope in everything. It goes on, gives us power to endure anything. Love never fails. All right. It's very obvious that God laid down a standard that you can never keep in the flesh. You can never do it. Not a person in this room can measure up to that standard in human power. So what I want you to know is this, agape love is supernatural. It is supernatural. It is not natural. It is supernatural. For somebody to love their enemies, to bless those that curse them, to pray for those who despitefully use them, for the, for, to love somebody who at work treats you a certain way, and, 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 and you see people doing things. Listen, I'm telling you right now, love is supernatural. And you'll never love in, 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 in your flesh. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You can read all the books on love you want to read, but you're never going to love until you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You can't instruct somebody in love. You can't instruct them. You can tell them how love acts, but they ain't going to do it if they're not going to do it if they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, by the way, I got good news for you. Have you ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit the Holy Spirit bears in our life when he's in control. It says, and the fruit of the Spirit is, what does it say? Love. Boy, y'all were weak on that one. It's love. 
The fruit of the Spirit's love. Well, if that's the most important thing, then that's the first thing God's going to mention. The fruit that the Holy Spirit bears in you is love, which produces joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. Hey, I'll tell you right now, I know from experience, if you are living in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live 1 Corinthians 13, you can. You can do every one of those things it talks about. But if you're in the flesh, you're not going to do it. And so what I'm saying to you is love is so, agape is so precious to the heart of God. God is love, and he that loves abides in God and God in him. And so, man, what I want to do is have agape love. But I confess to you, it is humanly impossible. But I'm striving. That's your problem. You're never going to do it by striving. I'm struggling. And you ain't never going to do it by, well, I made a New Year's commitment. Uh, what do you call those things? New Year's resolution that I was going to, forget it. Let me give you some verses. When I talk about the Holy Spirit, it is Christ in us. Christ in us. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, Jesus lives in me. And he's on the throne of my heart. And the Holy Spirit is filling me. Guess what? Jesus is never provoked. He's never rude. He's never unkind. You see, it's Christ in us. It's Christ in us, in control of our lives, that gives us agape love. It gives us agape love. I know how true that is. I know. You know, there's another verse, Philippians 1.21. I can do all things except love like 1 Corinthians 13.4. doesn't say that. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Then I love Galatians 5.22, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it says, if you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. And they are that are in the Spirit have crucified the flesh with its affections and desires. I guarantee you my passion, my passion is and my desire is and I will not live without it is to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that whenever I'm squeezed, the only thing that will come out of me is agape love. The love of God. The love of Christ. Have you ever heard this statement? If the devil knows where your goat's tied, he'll get it every time. You got some goats tied out, and, and he'll push that button, and boy, you'll just... It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that the love of God can fill us and the love of God can flow out of us. And that's distinctively Christian. When you treat the person in the checkout line with love and compassion, when they're real slow and don't know what they're doing, you, and, and you go to the uh, 
uh, drive up window, you know, and, and, and they didn't get the order right, you know, and you, you repeated it three times. Now, and you know that, listen, love, love is not provoked. It just loves people. And, and, and regardless of what their actions are, we don't love their actions, but we love them. And, and I, I can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. And don't tell me your wife or husband never provokes you. They do. But you don't have to get provoked because the love of Jesus lives in you. And you've got the love of God in your heart. And it's shed abroad by the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm going to close by saying this. The Christian life is living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a great analogy there. Why did he say, do not steal, but be filled with the Spirit? Why did he say, do not curse, but be... No, let me tell you why. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You know why? When you're drunk, and I hope you don't know firsthand, but I'll describe it for you. When you're drunk, you think different. When you're drunk, you act different. When you're drunk, you feel different. When you're drunk, you walk different. The alcohol, the distilled spirits, changes you. Well, he said, don't you be filled with distilled spirits. Amen? Listen, there'll be enough distilled spirits drink during Mardi Gras to sink a battleship. But, oh, it's just harmless fun. Listen, they all go to those balls and get drunk as a dog. It's a sin against the holy God. But the Bible says when you're filled with the Spirit, you think different, you see different, you speak different, you love different, you act different. And so what God says, my standard of agape love can only be, be, be had when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. There are four things. You've got you to gotta have no known sin in your life. See, if you have sin in your life, the Holy Spirit's grieved. If you have sin in your life, the Holy Spirit's quenched. So you've got to be sure your sins are confessed up to date. Then secondly, you've just got to die to yourself. That's the hardest thing to do. You want, we, we, want, we, we have a right to ourselves, but we just got to die to ourselves. Miss Bertha, when she taught that, she said, now, I want you to think that there's a casket up here and there's a dead man in it. And I go up there and praise him and praise him and tell him how wonderful he is. Says, do you think he, it, it makes him get proud? Uh-uh, dead man can't feel it. She said, but I go around that casket and I cuss him and I call him everything. He doesn't respond. You know why? Because he's dead. You say, I don't understand this dying to myself. Well, just tell God that you want the Holy Spirit to bring the power of the cross against your self-life. You have to have your sins confessed. Die to yourself. And you ask Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, to take his place on the throne of your heart. Oh, Jesus, I want self to be on the cross, and I want you to be on the throne I want you to be on the throne of my heart. Would you, would you be on the throne of my heart, Jesus? And when Jesus gets on the throne, then the Holy Spirit 
is just free to fill your life. He can fill you, possess you, anoint you, and control you. But you've got to be empty of your sin. You've got to be empty of yourself. Jesus has to be on the throne of your heart. And you've got to allow the Holy Spirit who is in you to have full control. You know, I'm glad when the Lord convicts me. And he convicted me of something I just said. So I got to repent. You know, I did not speak with compassion and love toward those that go to Mardi Gras. Because let me just say this. Many of them have grown up in a family that that's all they've ever known. And to many of them, it's just a harmless thing. So I, I spoke too harshly and said they all got down, went down there and got drunk. I don't know that. But I, I do, do, do say this. The root of it is evil. And Christians, you know, if you will go down and catch some beads and lose your life, that's your business, you understand? <laughs> but I, I don't want to speak evil of those who do that because they, they just are, they don't have light. And, and that's too harsh for me to say that. But I just say this. It is not a Christian thing. That's all I'm going to say. Let me ask you something. Do you have agape love? Does the love of God come out of you and manifest it to people? Do you treat people? You always want the highest and the best for them. The highest and the best. That's agape And that's what God wants for us, the highest and the best.